Welcome to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. Well, we've done it again. We managed to wrangle our second actual, real-life politician onto the show. This week's episode is with California Assemblymember Ash Kalra. Assemblymember Kalra represents the 27th Assembly District, but really, he represents us all. Ash is a real one. Not only is he one of two California state politicos that doesn't take corporate PAC money, but he's also leading our latest push for single payer in California with AB 1400. How, do you ask, did he become a Billy Badass in the state house? Well, let's take a listen and find out. Okay. Everyone's favorite teeny tiny podcast that like 50 people listen to is moving on up in the world today. (laughs) Why do we say that? Well, we have like a proper adult, a real politician who is fighting the good fight for all of us here in the great state of California. We have the one, the only, the audacious, the amazing assembly member, Ash Kalra. What's up, assembly member? Hey, what's up? That was the best intro ever. (laughs) I sometimes get introduced and they take like five minutes reading a bio. I prefer that <laughs> any day of the week. Quick, straight to the point. <laughs> What's up? How are you doing? I'm good. Right I'm on. Good, thanks. Right on. Well, for those of you who may be listening either in the state of California or outside of the state of California, uh, Assemblymember Kara is one one of us. <laughs> he is uh, He's inside the beast um, pushing for some things that... We really want, chief among them, really want and need, chief among them, uh, this session. I believe you co-sponsored the legislation for our uh, our new newest push for CalCare. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm the author of that bill. Right on. Okay. Well, we're going to get there because I am dying to ask you like 500 questions about that. <laughs> but I want to go back to the beginning. What, what was... Or what has been the life of uh, Assemblymember Kalra uh, that has gotten you to this point where you are staring down some of the biggest, um, most rapacious industries, not in just the state, but in this country. So I want to go back to understand, like, how we got here. Mm. So where are you from? I was born in Canada. Ah, okay. What part? In Toronto. Okay. What was that like? I don't know, because I was very little when we <laughs> left. I just remember, I remember snow. Okay. And I, in my first six years, I was in Canada. So the first three years in Toronto, the next three years in a tiny little town called Deep River, which is two or three hours north of Toronto. So way out there. Like in the rural? Pole. Yeah. It was, it was, it was like near the, I, I remember our backyard. There was no backyard fence. It was just a forest back there. Mm. And it's near the Quebec border because uh-huh. that there's a river uh, that, uh, that's why it's called Deep River. It's next to the river, and the mm-hmm. river was the divider between Ontario and Quebec. Mm-hmm. And my dad worked at a nuclear power plant Ooh. in a town called Chalk River, which uh-huh. was just a few minutes away. Uh-huh. And so um, that's my earliest childhood memories as being that small little town. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, we came here when uh, when I was six years old and ended up in San Jose. Huh. Do you do you have any waking memories of Canada? 
Like other than the snow, I mean, maybe fuck, maybe snow is all you could remember because it's just blinding white for miles and miles. But I used to like it. I remember when when you're a kid, you like snow, right? Especially yeah. when you get to play around in it. Mm-hmm. But we ended up here because my parents came on a business trip. My dad had some business trip here in the Bay, mm-hmm. and at that point, I think they had a realization like, why are we living? <laughs> Where we're living. He had gotten his PhD in aeronautics. Yeah. Was working. My man got you know. options. Listen, yes, I, I exactly. I ain't got to do this exactly. <laughs> too long. And, uh, but you know, it, it, it was our opportunity. He, he didn't, you know, we're not from a family with a lot of means, you know, so sure. the fact that he was able to even be in a place where he had options was pretty amazing because mm. he grew up in, in India mm-hmm. in, the, in the 40s, late 40s during the independence movement and the partition yeah yeah and they lost everything aye, and aye. he grew up in a little town with no electricity and mm. from there just like you know anyway we ended up um and that's how we ended up in canada he got a scholarship to get his phd at and he, he University studied of Toronto. the nuclear engineering nuclear engineering or nu- what was the? he actually got his phd in aeronautics oh, so gotcha, he, he gotcha, became gotcha. basically a rocket scientist oh you know, wow for, you know, essentially <laughs> And Listen to that flex. He's basically he, a rocket scientist. I know, scientist. which is actually tough because when you're an Indian kid <laughs> and your dad is essentially a rocket scientist, there's a lot, a lot of expectations. Well, I mean, it's like if you have if you have if you have trouble with math or science, yeah, that's you know, right. It's like, are you my kid? That's like, right. Are you sure? <laughs> right. We're, we're taking a test. <laughs> but, uh, but he went, yeah, he went into the nuclear field anyway, and then we ended up out here, and, mm-hmm. and he worked uh, from for a, a think a think tank in Palo Alto, and oh, right on. but even back then. This is the late 70s. Even back then, uh, it was more expensive to live in Palo Alto. We ended up buying a house in San Jose. I got you. And uh, that's how we ended up there. Oh, okay. Now, are you the only child? Are you one of several? Or I have one, one older brother. Oh, nice. And so he's he works for Oracle. He's a software engineer. So nice. I'm the black sheep of the family that went a very <laughs> different direction. Right. And speaking of how I got where I am, it was a very, like, I, I never expected to be an elected official. No? no. What did you did you did you have an idea for your life when you were growing up as a youngster? So it sounds strange. When I was a kid, mm-hmm. I remember actually visiting India when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I had you know we all we have these different epiphanies in our life. Sometimes we don't recognize it as it as that what's happening. But sure. I remember being a kid and being in India, and having little boys that look just like me coming up to me and uh, and begging me for money. You know? uh, I'm like eight years old, nine years old, and right. I'm, Thinking like, you know, why, you know, when I need something, I ask my parents, right. it was, it was a realization. Sure, sure. And so that realization was not just that I felt lucky that I happened to be in America, but I felt an obligation. Sure. And again, didn't hit me that way then, but looking back, I, I knew I just felt different. It was formative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in high school, I was very different than all the other Indian kids who had everything planned out. Like I'm going to go to Berkeley. I'm going to go to UCLA. I'm going to become a doctor, become an engineer. They had everything figured out. And I'm like, you know, all I want to do is. I want to serve. I want to help people. I want to, I want to, that, that would make me happy. And I, I couldn't articulate exactly what I wanted to do. I just knew that I felt but why different. Why do you think that you, but why do you think you felt different? Looking back, like if you were to, if you were to look back now with your, with your adult yeah. brain, why do you think you were so different in your words from your peers growing I, up? I honestly don't know. I, I, to tell you the truth, I honestly don't know. And it was, um, because I, I don't think my upbringing was that different than other Indian kids growing up here. Sure. You know, my parents were great, and my, my, my dad was spiritual and you know very you know self sacrificing and all that. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing that I can identify. It was interesting because I remember when I was um, it must have been the, towards the end of high school, mm-hmm. uh, maybe my first year when I was going to junior college, and I was reading the Life and Times of Frederick Douglass, and huh. I it wasn't for class. I was just kind of reading on my own yeah, because yeah. I'd. I'd 
learned a little bit about him and I'm like, Hey, let me read more about this guy. Mm-hmm. And, and that was also an epiphany moment when I read that book, but still. Why but, was it, what was, what gave you an epiphany or what were you having epiphanies about reading that book? So when I read that one, one of the, one of the moments in the book that he talks about was that he had an epiphany mm-hmm. and, and he likened it to being in a moral dungeon mm-hmm. and, um, someone opens the door mm-hmm. and he sees the condition that he's in. He mm-hmm. was a, he was a child at the time right. and he, and he, he just, he, he basically described it as okay. It's like being in this dungeon and being in this condition of slavery mm-hmm. with all the other slave children. And then all of a sudden someone opens a light and I can see the condition I'm in mm-hmm. and that changed him forever. And he actually envied mm-hmm. the other slave children for not having that realization sure, yet. Cause you can't, and so, you can't un- unknow it. Exactly. Yeah, you can't, yeah. you can't undo that yeah. once the light is shining. And yeah. so obviously, you know, at a very different scale and, and, and not having to live through it. And, and, you know, he's such an amazing human being lived through what he lived through, but that parallel where like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just had, I have switches that turn on during my life. And once I realize something, mm-hmm. I can't, Turn it off. Okay, but let's unpack that a little bit. <laughs> Gr- growing up, yeah. how would you describe your family's kind of standing in the community or mm-hmm. in the cra- class strata, either just in California or in Canada and California? So when we came here, you know, there weren't a whole lot of Indian families in the Bay Area, even though there's a bunch of Indians now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that we were respected because my, my father was very, ed- very educated in, yep. in our community. That's a, a big standard yeah. uh, bear kind, yeah. kind of thing. But also my mom was a singer. Huh. And so she was singing like classical Indian songs and Bollywood songs and all that. This, you know, it, even back in Canada, but even when we came here late seventies through the eighties yeah. and at house parties and ultimately in auditoriums and all that. So mm-hmm. we were somewhat known because of my mom more mm-hmm. than my dad. Because of her artistry. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, um, but ultimately we had a you know, circle of family, friends and all that. And I just remember, you know, I did, relatively well in school when I was younger. So mm-hmm. I, and I, I went, I skipped third grade, I'm second to fourth grade. Hmm. And I remember I, uh, as I was growing up, seeing so much competition, mm-hmm. like I, like all competition the, among who? The Indian families. Ah, ah. Like For, know, competition in what way? Among like, the Indian families. Like, Oh, my kid is really smart. He did this, he mm-hmm. did that. She did this, she did that. Mm-hmm. They're going to go to this school. They're going to mm-hmm. become a doctor. Like communal grandstanding. Like exactly. one-upmanship in between families. And yeah. I see. Uh-huh. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that really bothered me. Like, like I felt so uncomfortable by that. I felt... But you were a high-achieving child. Why did that make you uncomfortable? Because I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't like the idea of... Conditional love? Both. I think that's an aspect of it mm-hmm. is that because of this achievement, yeah. I was valued more. Yeah. And and my parents would brag. And, all. and I said parents, it was like with my mom or my dad. My dad would never really do that. My mom did a lot. Sure. But um, also, I didn't like the idea of being in com- competition with others mm-hmm. based upon things that I didn't think mattered that much. Why? And why, well, why did you not think that these things mattered? I just much? thought they were superficial. Tell me what you mean by that. Or what you thought you meant by that at the time. Yeah, I... I, I I think what I thought or what I was thinking at the time yeah. was the, the fact that um, the, it, it didn't seem to matter to me. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, I I got some good grades and I did, but that those things didn't really matter to me. And I don't know mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. I, I think that what I think that when I saw the kind of unspoken competition it put me and my friends through, ah. even though we didn't want it. At least I didn't want any part of that. I see. 
I think that it just seemed like it didn't matter to me. Like these are my friends, right? You know, we care about each other. We right. we play with each other on the That's weekends right. and play football and basketball and right. all that. And it's like we don't even talk about yeah, yeah. our school much, right? Uh, it's like you know, but our parents are talking about us sure. as pawns sure. in this kind of societal hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's what I mean by it being superficial. Like it didn't really matter to me. Sure, sure, sure. You know what my friends were doing or not doing, as long as they were. You know, as long as we had fun when we were together, we were still kids, sure. you know? Do you think, and ah, maybe this is an inappropriate question to ask, but do you think that it, maybe consciously or unconsciously, you're the adults when you were growing up were trying to like reproduce a semblance of hierarchy that they kind of internalized from the old country? You understand what I'm saying? I, I To some extent, but oh. I, I think a lot of it, it can certainly be that. And a lot of it is just... Just the dog eat dog nature. It is. I mean, we're, we're American yeah, too. Yeah, we're yeah, going, yeah. I mean, America yeah, instills yeah, that in us absolutely. as much as uh, as India does sure, too. Sure, so sure. I think that there's no doubt, especially in a smaller community, nah, uh. that it, it really feeds on itself. You know, now as a large community, mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit different. When you're a small, tight knit community and mm-hmm. everybody knows everyone, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it, it really magnifies mm. that level of pressure. Mm-hmm. And, and you hear a lot about that, especially in the API community. Sure. The amount of pressure to get good grades and all that. And, yeah. Um, it's just the priorities. And one, one thing I would, I still to this day say, especially when I'm speaking to groups of, of, of Indian kids and all that, I know their parents are listening or in the room too, mm-hmm. uh, is that the greatest wealth my parents gave me was options. Ah, come on. Yes. You know, the fact that I could choose a life of that's, service. That's right. Uh, and, and I would also say like, you know, you sacrifice so much. Did you do it so your kids could be happy? Yeah. And free. Right. I mean, yeah. like at the end of the day, like being able to choose your destiny is a great privilege. That's right. And are we going to throw that privilege away for some kind of social status That's at the right. end of the day? That's right. It doesn't really speak to your happiness. Mm. And so, but do you say so, so? Am I trying? To, I'm trying to understand. So, as a as a child, did were you? Did, was the was the um, was the pushback that you maybe felt that you felt against like you know this kind of like infighting and one upmanship? Was it that you that you had some awareness of just like like the value of intrinsic happiness and like it's that's not predicated upon like anything else other than like the sun is shining i get to play football or Mm -hmm. soccer or basketball with my buddies and have orange slices and like life is good and that and why would i why do i care about anything else like is that was am i understanding you to say that just i I think that's part of it and i think a part of it is also i i didn't see a value Mm -hmm. in this kind of pettiness I, i didn't see it really translating mm-hmm. to, to, into anything meaningful. I see. And, and I, again, like this is me talking now, yeah, 49 yeah, sure, years sure, old. Sure. Like I don't think I articulated or thought it that no, way. No, 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 of course. But I do think that that, that was a big part of it. I, I would get really frustrated mm. and upset with my mom when she would do things like that yeah. because it would create this unnecessary competition. Hmm. And look, even through my life, like mm-hmm. when I went to college and law school and I'd see the same kind of competition. Of course. I, I, it never, like, I never was part of it. Right. I you never get, competed you didn't for grades. Get, it's like swept up in it. Like, never, you, you no. didn't define yourself that way. No. Yeah, and, I and I just, I thought it was such a, you know, meaningless mm, um, sure. type of competition. Sure. Um, that, again, I mean, our society kind of forces on us in mm-hmm, many ways. Mm-hmm. But um, for some reason, I just never gravitated towards it. I see. Do you think it was the same for your brother or he 100% bought into it? Um, I think my brother was under different kinds of pressure. Because he's the oldest. He was the oldest. Uh-huh. And, you know, uh, I, I think he was under a different kind of pressure. And I think, frankly, when I, being the younger brother, four and a half years younger, 
and I was achieving more, whatever the hell that means, a second, sure. second grade, sure. third, fourth grade, you know, whatever. But I think that put more pressure on him as well. Ah. And, and, you know, he, he was a, a late bloomer mm. uh, academically. Mm. And I, I would say I was an early bloomer, mm-hmm. but then I got totally um, just uninterested in school mm. because it was my way of kind of rebelling back ah. on this pressure that was put or this adulation that was given, uh-huh. you know, um, for something that I thought was meaningless. I got you. And so huh. we were in a different, for, for different reasons, uh-huh. we felt alienated I got you. from um, that kind of pressure. Would it, when, about when was the time that you just, you kind of just started rebelling and checking out of like, you know, being the, the golden academic child? I think probably middle school. Hmm. Yeah, going into high school. Okay. And, and what ways did that? What ways did did you change as a child? Or was it just academically? Was it just like did you have a little bit more attitude at home? Like what? What was? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, there's definitely. I'm sure some of that. Sure, uh, sure, sure. And you know, I think that you find ways, especially at that age, to when you rebel, you find ways to hurt your parents in yeah. ways that you know that hit them. And I think that. Because all those years, kind of putting me on some pedestal because yeah. I was a little kid that was doing well in school. Yeah. I think, okay, well, if I just don't care about school, that's my way of getting back. Ah. Right? I, and so, you know, it wasn't something that I think I was consciously doing as much as I just felt frustrated. I, I felt like it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Not in a way like, oh, my life doesn't matter, all that. It's just that, again, that competition and all that, I felt this is such a useless exercise going into high school and and in high school, like seeing, I said, I... I know I'm smart. Yeah. I don't need other people to know that I'm smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't you know? need a test to tell me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. you. Interesting. Okay, we're going to get back to high school in a second. But do you, looking back now, how did you understand your parents either politically or ideologically growing up? Like kind of, or did you have an understanding of your parents as political entities? They weren't very political. Mm. Although my father, you know, really would talk to me a lot. Um, and like every day we'd watch the evening news together, the CBS mm-hmm. evening news mm-hmm. every week. And I'm talking about even when I was like seven, eight, nine years yeah, old, yeah, yeah. every, uh, every week we'd watch 60 minutes and it was me, not my brother, just me mm-hmm. and my dad would watch it. So I think that from a young age, I was probably more in tuned hmm. with like what was happening in the world than most like sure. eight, nine, 10 year olds sure. because of that. Uh-huh. And, um, and so, but I did, I never really got a very clear sense that, of a political leaning really um it was just like you understood your father's uh curiosity about like the goings-on in the world but he wasn't like sitting you guys every night at dinner like hey listen these taxes they suck yeah. okay we've gotta we've yeah. gotta get them lower or you know every woman has should have the right like he wasn't like particularly yeah. ideological he just like had an interest in what's going on yeah i mean he's, okay. he's just a, as, as kind of like a an educated kind of bookworm kind of guy, gotcha. you know, he, he, he watched the news 60 minutes, but he never really, I, I don't recall him ever kind of instilling in us any kind of political view huh. or what have you. Your mother either. No, my mother, yeah, my mother wasn't really engaged at all. She was more watching Indian movies, Bollywood films. Oh, right. That. Cause she's and, the artist. Yeah. She's there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and okay. so she would, yeah. And, and, and like hanging out with her friends and stuff like that. Hmm. What yeah. were some of the formidable kind of political or geopolitical events that you like can never get out of your mind from growing up? Uh, I, I remember the challenger explosion. Oh, <gasps> 
Do you? I, I was in school. Yeah, because we were in, in class. Were you guys watching it? And then, like, your teachers had to rush you away from the... Because that's one of my friends who remembers that, too. Is like, they all, like, came to the auditorium to, like, yeah. watch. Because they used... That's how it used to be before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we weren't watching it, but we got... But they did... They announced it over the loudspeaker. Oh, the oh, wow. So they interrupted class, let everyone know... Oh, okay. ...what had happened. I, and even to this day, I don't know why they did that, but... That was, like, they a big did. deal. It was a big deal, yeah. but it's interesting that they break... Like, it's not often they break... Sure. Interrupt class for that reason, but I yeah. do remember hearing that over the the loudspeaker when I was in I was in high school at the time, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe in my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely something mm-hmm. that I remember. I remember the '84 Olympics mm. and all the break dancers. And all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, I, I remember when MTV started. Uh-huh. You know, I was a little kid then. Uh-huh. Um, what I, kind of music were you into in the '80s? When so oh, yeah, so the '80s, I was into rock music. Oh, okay. When we came here. Uh, I remember when we came here, I was I was six years old, seven years old. Mm-hmm. And I remember we used to listen to disco. So we had like Saturday Night Fever oh, and all that right stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, but then one of our family friends who's older, which is oftentimes the older influence, yeah. was listening to ACDC and huh. stuff like that, Led Zeppelin. Okay. So my brother, um, so he's even older than my brother. So my brother and I totally got into that. Oh, okay. And so through the 80s, I was into metal, heavy metal, mm. hard rock, classic mm. rock. Right on. And then, and then I transition in the 90s and 90s hip hop. So it was really interesting. Well, who had it? <laughs> who was the who was the musical or who was the artist around that pivot? Like what was like who was the person I assume it was a man who got you into hip hop? Like what artist was so it? So it wasn't a, a, a friend or, 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 or I'll take it back. It wasn't a specific artist. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it, it was, was just the moment. It was part of it. Okay. It was I didn't like grunge. Oh, ooh, so when okay. heavy metal turned to grunge, yeah. I didn't. I, one of the reasons why I like heavy metal and hard rock, uh-huh. I like the merch, the musical virtuosity. Okay. So like, if you listen to eighties and like the mm. guitar solos and the drumming, I mean, it was there was phenomenal yeah. artists. Yeah. And grunge, and I was a very very amateurish guitar player, like I loved guitar. Mm. And when I could like play a grunge song on the planet radio, I'm like, okay, this is not. This is very basic. <laughs> And, and I get that that was part of the grunge sure. appeal, sure. but I didn't, I was into the, the, the virtuosity and, and, and all that stuff. From the musicality the of it all. And mm-hmm. I wasn't as much into eighties rap, huh. but when, you know, you had NWA and then Dr. Dre and then Snoop and all that mm-hmm. um, coming out, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. You're like California, my, we got it for a this second. Is something so different. I got you. There's huh. something different. And uh-huh. so that, that hit different. Uh-huh. And so, and then Biggie. <laughs> Biggie and all that. So like 90s, yeah, 90s um, hip hop just hit different. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. than yeah. 80s did. Yes. And I thought 80s was more popcornish, more uh-huh. like kind of mm-hmm. a little goofier and all that. Mm-hmm, okay. And it was the introduction of the genre to the, and I'm talking about commercial, what yeah, you hear yeah, on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so when, so that's kind of was my transition away from grunge. Okay. Uh, towards like 90s hip hop. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just as. And when I said I was in the metal, I had hair all the way down my back. Huh. Like I wore just black. When in high school, I wore. That gave you, I had to give your parents such grief. Oh, totally. <laughs> and when I, when I was in high school and then going into college, yeah. like I only wore black t-shirts and like tight jeans and I had oh. long hair. Cause you, and look, you look like Slash. From, I ended up looking like Slash. Okay. I was doing that even before. When the Guns N' Roses came out, yeah. I actually, funny you mentioned for like two, three years, I was Slash for Halloween like three <laughs> years in a row because my hair was curly and long. Yes, yes. I put a top hat on <laughs> and uh, you know, leather jacket. I mean, I looked like, Slash. You look, <laughs> Especially when you can't see my face. Yeah, right? yeah, it's just yeah. like, like covering half my hair. <laughs> did your mom help you do your hair when it was that no, long? No, no one did. My, my hair was a mess. You don't grow up as a, as a guy learning how to take care of hair. And <laughs> it's so, such a painful process to watch. Oh, uh, my hair was a mess. I didn't cut it until I was in law school. Really? Uh, going to second year you kept law it, school. You kept it down your back until law school. 
even through law, yeah, well, into my second year of law school. Whoa. Yeah. So okay. I was going to Georgetown. I had this long, I trusted no one else like, looked like I did law school. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. Did you have a, did you have an understanding of class growing up? Like, did you, or did you think mostly everyone lived like you growing well, up? Well, I, I mentioned that epiphany when I was back in India. Well, no, no, that yes, was yes, the yes, first, yes, yes. that was the first kind of sense that. Globally. Okay, yeah. But I'm saying here, did you think that everyone more or less lived like you? Oh, no. Oh, okay. Oh, everyone lived like me? Like, more or, or less. Did you think that your life was pretty typical for some, for, you know, a kid your age in the I, United States? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think there was definitely some of that. I mean, I went to a, 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 a I would say, a pretty working class high school in South San Jose, Oak Grove uh, uh-huh. High School. And we definitely had different income levels there. Sure. And we were solidly middle class. Yeah. Um, but I would go to friends' houses and, you know, it was a very diverse high school. Mm. And so I had a chance to at least see, I see. Um, how different people live. Yeah, how different people live okay. and, and that, yeah, you know, to go to people's apartments or duplexes. Uh-huh. And we had a single family home. Yeah. And so I, I saw the, the, you know, I would walk through different neighborhoods to get to school and yeah. had different friends that were, you know, all different mm-hmm. class levels, I guess you could say. But, but it was not like we didn't live in a neighborhood where we were rich people. Yeah. So there was no one rich in our school. I see. It was I like, see, see, you know, I, I would say like we were like, as middle class as you can get. Yeah, I yeah. don't think there was folks like, you know, there weren't a bunch of millionaires or a school. It wasn't like that I at all. It was a very much a working class high yeah, school. Like most people's parents worked. Oh yeah. And you know, and that, that's a, that's a distribution of like, you know, we don't have to worry about our bills month, you know, every month. And like some people may have like had to sweat a little bit more to like, you know, make a living, keep their kids, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, it was, it was, yeah. I mean, definitely a lot of working class folks and we were a good football, like public, one of the public schools that was really good football program. Mm. And, you know, when I go back to my reunions, been about 20, 30, I mean, most people couldn't afford to come back home. What do you mean? Because it's so expensive. In what do you mean? Come, you mean come, they go away. Oh, oh, and they like, can't afford to buy to a home back in their own oh, neighborhood. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Uh-huh. And so there's a lot of folks that live in different parts of California, uh, um, you know, that are a little bit more affordable. I got you. Um, and and so, I mean, and, and most people, you know, not a lot, uh-huh. not a whole lot of professionals in terms of lawyers and doctors and uh, all that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and so, but that's you know, a very diverse school in that yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we have folks doing a little bit of everything, you know. I got you. And so huh. um, it was good to grow up that way. It was good to grow up with all that diversity, not a lot of Indian kids. When I, I mean, now there's a bunch of Indians in that area, but mm-hmm. when I was there in our school, it was about 2,800 people. Uh-huh. What only, was the composition? Probably only about 10, 10 of us were Indian. Really? Yeah. Everybody else was white or was it like, Oh no. What, what um, was the Fili- breakdown? It was Filipino, Vietnamese, black, Latino, white, oh, okay. very diverse okay. um, student body. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so it was, a, it was a mix uh-huh. and I grew up like that. And so uh, going to college, both going to Santa Barbara and Georgetown mm-hmm. in their own ways were very different than the diversity I experienced. Oh, less diverse, I presume. Yeah, less diverse, yeah, or diverse in different ways. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay, right on. But you did have, but because of your trip to India as a as a young child, you had you you began to have a global, I think, perspective of like, hey, like I, you know, there are there are kids who look like me or mm-hmm. are similar age to me and are are not at all in my same situation. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. there's like, there's like poor and then there's like destitute. Yeah. When, gotcha. you, when you walk by people that have like, you know, no limbs and yeah, on yeah, a blanket yeah. with a cup, like, you know, yeah. all the, the whole, anyway. It was it's, very it's, difficult. It's yeah. I mean, you, you see poverty in a very, very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I think that I definitely had that realization yeah. growing up, but at the same time, you know, a lot of my 
friends went to India and all that, I don't think it hit them in that same way. It just hit me. And again, I don't know why. Gotcha. It just, but you know, it just did. Yeah, yeah it just did. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was, what was high school like for you? Is that when you really started to just, just be hell on wheels? Just, just wow. No, I was actually, I, I, I was very awkward. I mean, like a lot of folks, very awkward in high school. Really? It, it, it was very, it was, you know, especially the first couple of years, I would say I was very, Shy. I was very shy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I was very like I was very small tiny Indian kid mm-hmm. I skipped a grade earlier so I went in even younger oh uh-huh. and so I was tiny like barely five feet when I and, and then in high I, school yeah but then I grew I grew yeah, you towards up. junior senior year gotcha. mm-hmm. but still you know I was that super skinny and mm-hmm. um I, I I was you know very shy in turn I, mean, I couldn't talk to girls I, mean, I would talk to girls like in class but I can like actually talk to yeah, girls yeah. like that and and plus we had the we weren't allowed to anyway you know, if I yeah to that's right <laughs> that's but, against um, the rules yeah I mean like if I was in a small group I yeah. could be talkative uh-huh. but I didn't like like public speaking and all that stuff and huh. it wasn't until my junior senior I started breaking out of my shell huh. I was in a mock trial club oh nice and so that's the first time I ever thought about being a lawyer oh okay and really did you have it. no idea of what you wanted to do maybe before that or no. was a mock trial really like Turn, yeah, you know. I had no idea. Uh. I think that um, you know, my parents were like, oh, you're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a doctor. Yeah. But you know, I, I I really didn't have any idea until sure. that, and that's when I really thought about being a lawyer, especially mm. when I learned a lot about different movements and lawyer the way that lawyers played a role. And whether the civil rights movement, you know, Gandhi was a lawyer, mm-hmm. and just you know, just seeing how learning the law and fighting for people mm-hmm. was a way that you could do service. And mm-hmm. it was fun too. I mean, this is back in the eighties, like um, LA law was on TV. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So you're seeing these courtroom drama scenes yeah. and all that. And so I liked the, the, the dramatic aspect and mm-hmm. it did start to help me break out of my shell somewhat mm-hmm. in my junior and senior year. Do you think that you became like more of an ambivert around that time or you like shot from being an introvert, like a, a tiny, you know, short, skinny introvert to like, like you are Mr. Personality that is everywhere. I I don't think it went to that extreme, but I definitely was. I was definitely more social. Sure, I mean, sure. there's okay. no doubt okay. that in my senior year, mm-hmm. I was I was definitely more social mm-hmm. um, and more comfortable. Gotcha. Um, while still you know having a lot of those awkward moments too. Sure, sure. And so um, still didn't feel comfortable talking to girls. Not, yeah. That would last for for years. <laughs> uh, it's still to this day. <laughs> but. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was definitely mm. like my senior year. I felt a lot more comfortable, and, mm. and you know, de- definitely had more friends. And, and it was you know, it was you you became you became you you had a glow up, if you will, in terms of your social life. I think so. Okay. I think I, at least at least I was on the way. Okay, right uh, on. Much more so. Than and you're more. still at this point eschewing the like intercommunal like one upmanship and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And but you're start but because of mock trial, you're starting to see like, oh, like you know, I know what doesn't matter to me. I think what does matter to me is like making things better with people, and maybe the law is a way to do that. Like that's what mm-hmm. comes into relief around that time. Yeah. And yeah. are your grades terrible in high school because you're still rebelling? Like, did that make applying to and going to college difficult or like what was that situation yeah like? yeah my, my grades were all over the place mm. I, and i didn't even honestly it's like at that point i was just thinking you know i'll you know part of it was like i was very frustrated with my parents because and in retrospect i was really frustrating them huh in the sense of you know when, when you're especially if indian parents you're like well what are you gonna do well, i'm just gonna be happy 
I, I used to say that. I, would, I used to I hate say when people add, like, because it becomes a point in time in your adolescence, like, that's all every, like, you know, all the adults, like, they'll just ask you that ad nauseum. And I used to start to just like, uh, I want to be happy when I grow yeah. up. And here I am. I know. Very happy. So. I know. And, well, that, and I, would, I mean, you can just frustrate the hell out of my parents. Yeah. They're like, you have to have a plan. Like, what are you going to do? It's like, I'm 17. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm, and you. so that, and that's totally unacceptable, especially for an Indian. Of course. <laughs> for an Indian kid to say, as you're entering your junior, senior year mm-hmm. and not have like everything. It was, and at that point, my brother was also kind of, you know, making his way through college, but was, you know, again, he, he, he ended up doing really well and he's doing really well in life. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, we all kind of hit, get, you know, we hit maturity, whether it's academically or socially at different stages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so my parents were kind of in a difficult, like in retrospect, they were in a difficult spot. Like sure. both their sons are kind of like a little aimless and, and they're not well, excelling. They were, let's, okay, let's not use the A word. You weren't aimless. You were a child still being a child like you know what i mean like that doesn't mm-hmm. the i think i think was not i don't think you're being charitable enough to yourself because i think the assumption that you should have had your life planned out at 17 i think that that was um unreasonable though your parents who care for you had it for you you understand what i'm saying like yeah well i'm saying from their perspective yeah okay like, you okay, know they're okay, looking okay. at us like okay what do we do what, yeah. what did we do wrong sure. or what's wrong with our kids it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you know it was it was kind of a mess in that way but and i remember i talked i, I specifically remember talking to my father I said, Dad, look, and I ended up going to De Anza Community College, and, I, and it was great. It was, mm-hmm. in fact, I'm speaking next week with with a group that of elected officials that all went to community college. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, it was, it's a great path, uh-huh. academic path for whoever mm-hmm. wants to do it. Mm-hmm. But um, I told him, I like, look, can you just when I start school in the fall and start De Anza, can you just Mellow me, me, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't ask me about my grades. It's just like, and I know that's not easy for you to do. Yeah, and, I, and telling. Your Indian father, that is not an easy conversation no. to have. But I said, just just give me, you know, just give me this next year. Yeah. And just, you know. Just, trust me. Just trust me. Yeah. And as I said, yeah. it's like, I, I have, like, you know, just trust me. Yeah, yeah. And and he did. Okay. And, and, oh, and good he just, Right on, Dad. He did. He said, you know, right but, you know, at that point, I don't know how much of a choice he had in the sense that, hmm. like, I, I, I don't know. There was nothing else he was doing that was working from his perspective. Sure, sure, sure. And, and again, he was much more... Um, kind of stoic and academic about it, mm-hmm. just purely out of love. My mom was also, but she also had the superficial kind of how it looks for the community sure. stuff too. Sure, sure, sure. So, you know, it's like, oh, like, quote, this golden child, now he's kind of like flailing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. how does that look? How does that make us look as yeah. a family kind yeah. of thing, you know? And when when I hear stuff like that, it made me even want to rebel more. It's like, I don't really care yeah, what that's it makes right. family look like. Do you care about me right. or what it looks like to other people? Right, right. right? And right. so it's like, okay, clearly, you know, the, the, we have a different view mm. of the world. But uh, but yeah, the, 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 he 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 just let me do my thing and I did really well at De Anza. And, right on. You know, the, the rest is history, so to speak, in terms of the, quote, academic part of grades and all that, even though I frankly did still, even as I went through college and law school, never really cared mm. about what my grades were. Yeah. They, 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 I think without that kind of pressure mm-hmm. it allowed me to to, to not it, it, and i was growing up too sure you know sure. so the whole rebellious stage mm-hmm. thing, you know this like i'm just gonna now now i'm starting college i'm gonna let that go and, and now let me actually figure out my path i got you how so how long 
Did you go to Dianza for one year or two years? I went to Dianza for two years. Okay. And then I what did to, you what did you begin studying or exploring academically in at Dianza? I was exploring a, a variety of things in social sciences and in law. So I took like a I took some classes on the law because I knew I was interested in it, mm-hmm. and as well as journalism hmm. and you know writing for the paper and all mm-hmm. that because I was interested in that. Mm-hmm. And I took. Um, you know, classes in social studies. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember taking African American studies classes, hmm. as well as um, I remember a Chinese mythology class. I was I was enjoying it. Sure, you know, sure, I was taking sure. a variety of different classes. Okay. What are what did you most enjoy about your educational journey at that point in community in, in community college? Oh, the freedom. High school wasn't for me. The, the, the regimented mm. getting up, and I was never a morning person. I was yeah. always been a night, <laughs> night owl. Uh-huh. So having to get up have class at 7.30, it's just, you know, yeah, yeah that wasn't for me. So mm-hmm. being able to choose your classes yeah. and choose when the timing of classes was, mm-hmm. that was just like that made the oh, an awakening. Oh, it made all the difference. Gotcha. And I think we don't recognize that with our youth yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, you know, 7.30 to 3. When schedule. your body is like, you know, yeah. you, these kids, you need sleep. And yeah. God, yeah. it's cruel. <laughs> and and, and being a natural kids. night owl, I mean, sometimes I'd be up till 1, 2 in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd wait till my parents went to sleep and i turn the light back on because I wasn't tired. Right, right, right. And right. so in the morning, they'd always wonder why I was struggling and yeah. falling asleep in class sometimes because it's like, I just, that wasn't my lifestyle. That wasn't how your body worked at that time. Yeah. 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 I got you. I and got you. so I loved the freedom I'm Were you still living classes. at home mm-hmm. at this point? Okay, okay. All right. Yeah, when I was at Deanza, I was still living at home, mm-hmm. and um, but it was good. Okay. And then from there, you were like, okay, I'm on it. Mm-hmm. Your boy got his foot in. And then you did what? So then I was there two years. I transferred and went to Santa Barbara. Okay. And I was there for two years. And Your um, first time living away from home. Yeah. Did you lose your mind? Tell the truth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was I like- I you all could see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean- <laughs> You know, I'm I'm 19 years old <laughs> uh, and, and going to Santa Barbara, yeah. and uh, it was great. I mean, I, I I was, and at that point, I was like definitely very social. I was like a yeah, social yeah. butterfly by uh-huh. that point, uh-huh. and so it was fun. I I lived at the in the transfer dorms, and mm. in, uh, my first year, my junior year, and then my senior year, mm-hmm. I was living in Isla Vista, mm-hmm. like five other guys. Mm-hmm. I worked at the dining commons, mm-hmm. washing dishes and scrubbing pots. I would serve. Cokes at the games, the basketball games, concessions, yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, I was doing internships and playing a lot of basketball. Oh, right. <laughs> um, intramural? Yeah. intramural? I did do some that. intramural, but mostly was just pick up games. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But we did do some, oh, yeah, I did some intramurals as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just had fun. We'd be out I need all the time. one reckless story from college. You can pick it. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I woke up in Hawaii one day. But I'm, I need one reckless story from your time in Santa Barbara. You know, I. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm listening. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, I'll just tell you about my 21st birthday, okay? Okay. And so, and I, I was I, since I was the the youngest, like in our group of friends. Sure. Um, I, I was the last one to turn 21. Uh-huh. And so, the great thing about Santa Barbara is you don't have to be 21 to enjoy yourself and That's have correct. this and all that. That's correct. But they, they do have State Street in downtown, and so people did what's called the State Street crawl. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you know, there's like a whole line of bars there. Yeah. So. Um, the Wednesday night, my birthday was on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So the Wednesday before Wednesday night, Wednesday night before my birthday, mm-hmm. the twentieth, my birthday's on January twenty first. Um, we have a party at our house, house party, mm-hmm. Wednesday night house party, not so uncommon in Santa Barbara. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And we probably had like, you know, a number of kegs that were bought by people that were of age. Okay. I waited till midnight till I drank. <laughs> um, uh-huh. 
Uh, and uh, so we had a party at our house. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned, I was in the metal and all that at the mm-hmm. time. Um, this is my kind of my transition period, but uh, from metal to hip hop. Mm-hmm. But there was this really great metal band that was in Santa Barbara. Is known for a lot of bands mm-hmm. that play in Isla Vista, mm-hmm. and they usually play on people's driveways and stuff. Mm-hmm. So my roommate Justin got one of my favorite bands called Red Rum mm-hmm. to play uh, on that Wednesday night mm-hmm. um, for my birthday. So I had like my favorite band, Isla Vista. There mm-hmm. we had all our friends. I mean, and the thing, great, this is a great thing about Santa Barbara mm-hmm. is that literally you can just walk into a random party mm-hmm. and nine times out of ten it's never an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and vice versa. So yeah. you, you know we're having a party, people walking around yeah. Wednesday night. Hey, what's going on tonight? Oh, we hear a band playing in the distance. People just show up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They bring their own cup and yeah. they just show up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You have to walk around with your cup, the red cup upside down. <laughs> That's right. It's got to be upside down. So like, you know, when cops see you walk around, they know that you have an empty cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Huh? And so uh, anyway, uh, it was a blast, you yeah. know, and probably had like, a, a, I don't even remember anymore, but probably four or five keg party that night. Right. So oh, that's Wednesday night. Okay. So wake up in the morning. I'm yeah. 21 years old. Yeah. And then we do the state street crawl that night. Mm. So Whoa, wait, Wednesday you lost your mind. Thursday you're losing your mind. Thursday again. night we we go downtown Ooh. to State Street, uh-huh. and again the the cool thing about it since I was the last one to turn twenty one is that all of our friends could go. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. everyone was twenty one. Sure, sure. So it was a blast, and we apparently went to all the places. I don't even remember three places, but um, <laughs> apparently we went to many, many more. And uh, I'll, I'll, I recall. And so we lost our friends at one point, mm. but Santa Barbara they they had a, a shuttle bus that. Went from Isla, from State Street from downtown to Isla Vista, mm-hmm. and so it dropped us off next to the Isla Vista Market. This is how it's recalled. There are a couple of pictures that no one will ever see <laughs> of, of this mem- particular memory. Sure. And apparently, some random folks helped um, help me get to a friend's place because I was with my roommate, but we lost everybody else. Uh-huh. Get to our friend's place around the corner. Then uh-huh. her her uh, boyfriend was one of our housemates, uh-huh. so he came and, and picked me up and, and took me back home. Because you just got dropped off in like a the, a Kmart parking lot. Well, it was in the middle of Isla Vista, so uh-huh. it wasn't like super super. I mean, you know, it wasn't super super far from our place, but it was far enough. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, but um, but yeah, that's just so you know people don't drive and all that, so sure, it was good. Sure. Okay. But at that point, we you know, we got picked up, mm-hmm. and then the next morning, uh-huh. and this tells you when you're young, like you can do things. Back to back to back nights. Yeah, that's right. The next morning, I drove back home, and that Friday night, mm-hmm. um, my family and friends had a surprise party for me back home. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because so, they thought they were going to be your first drinking buddies. Air quotes. They were amongst the first. <laughs> Please, get out of here. You had to be helped home on Thursday night. I mean, you know, we had friends, and, sure. uh, and you know, besides the people that came to the party on Wednesday and mm-hmm. the people that came out on Thursday, yeah, mm-hmm. so they were the first few, amongst the first few hundred. So yeah, that was that was Santa, that was Santa Barbara. Ah, okay, that was okay. Santa Barbara. And yeah. now, where? What? Okay, so what? What year did you matriculate in college, into college, or what year did you matriculate into junior college? Oh, okay. So I graduated high school eighty nine. Okay, and then I was there in Deanza until ninety one. Okay, and then and I graduated Santa Barbara ninety three. Okay, so what? Where were you, if anywhere at all, politically or ideolog- ideologically, at this point in your life? You know, it's interesting because I, and this is the, this is really fascinating to me kind of growing up mm. watching the news every day. Mm-hmm. And this, and this goes like, you know, people may, especially folks who are younger probably don't know because they didn't grow up during that time yeah. of Reagan being a great communicator. Yeah. Well, I, I saw him on the news almost every day mm-hmm. and he was a great communicator. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, wow, like, you know, I didn't really get 
you know, the politics of it at yeah. the time. But, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm 9, 10, 11 years old yeah. seeing this guy every day on the news. And so early on, it's like, it wasn't that I was, a, I wasn't a Republican. Mm-hmm. I did, definitely not. But I was definitely, um, you know, enthralled by, um, by just by Reagan, frankly. Sure. Like, you know, and his just, oratory skills, like yeah. the way he connected with people. Because yeah. he was, you know, he's kind of like, you know, you know America's I probably, I, I'm saying I wasn't, Repo- I think I probably was a Republican at that time. Huh. But I didn't know anything else. Like, uh, you know, oh, I see, I see. like I didn't know much about, like I said, my parents weren't very political. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about, you know, politics other than what I saw. And all Presidency. I saw was Reagan. Uh, and then George W. Bush. Uh, you know, that, that's, you're talking about late 80s. Mm-hmm. And then then I went to, went to college I think th- things started changing then. I started learning a lot more then. So you, so did you vote at this time in your life? Or um, yeah, I, I voted. I'm trying to think here. Um, I don't. I don't like 92. Were you voting for Bush? No, no. You voted for Clinton in 92, or you didn't I, vote at all? In, in for 92, I voted for Clinton. Okay. Because at that point, mm-hmm. I just I had been more educated on all of it, ah, right, and ah. especially with um and, and you know clinton was pretty it was very dynamic yeah he was at, at the time. time but yeah. i also remember being enthralled by ross perot them big ass ears yeah okay uh-huh. he came to santa barbara campus huh yeah okay <laughs> to, to hold a rally yeah oh, okay, okay yeah i did, i just think the whole anti-establishment aspect of mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. you know so he was i was it was like well like who's this dude mm-hmm. this weird guy from texas sure but um also you know there's a lot going on at the time i was in college okay uh the riding king rights happened. huh what wow park right there <laughs> what was your perception or understanding or reaction at the time i think that was a realization for me of uh, of police brutality really what, what black people went through. yeah i oh, didn't okay. even though yeah i certainly you know had a very diverse high school and Never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I didn't. I, I would say I didn't. I didn't have friends of mine that were black. I didn't have any close friends of mine that were black. Yeah, yeah. When I was in high school, mm-hmm. um, or or my first, or even in college, where mm-hmm. I had friends that were black, but again, not people that, like that were close that were close enough to yeah, me yeah, to really yeah. tell me, right. like to be real. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. vice versa. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And so I, I think that that was a realization for me. Mm-hmm. It was a waking up period. So it's similar to you know kind of how the George Floyd incident for last year, the murder of George yeah, Floyd yeah, yeah. last year, was a wake up call. I think for a lot of folks. Yeah. Uh, that was a wake up call for me. What do you what, do you remember what you were thinking at the time when you were kind of seeing it unfold or reading it about it in the news? Well, yeah, and, and keep on that was a wake up call along with a lot of the rap musicals coming up. I was ah, learning a lot, ah, ah. like just listening, listening to the rap lyrics thing. You know, and I think that 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 was also a period of time mm-hmm. where um you know that, that was having a big impact on me especially because i was interested in service yeah and i was thinking about okay what are some social problems in our in, mm-hmm. in our society mm-hmm. and so all this stuff was happening at the same time for uh, me. Uh. i would say from 17 to 21 in that, uh. t- that time frame uh-huh. and so when i first um, saw what happened mm-hmm. and started talking and listening and hearing mm-hmm. a lot of my black friends and mm-hmm. a lot of the folks on campus. I remember going in a March, mm. uh, a little, you know, UC Santa Barbara, yeah, wasn't yeah. a lot of, of, of black folks there, yeah, yeah. but there, you know, there was enough there to where we had a March. Yeah. I remember marching there and just, just listening. Hmm. And so that, that. What were what, some of the things you heard when you were listening? Just that how this has been happening for years. This mm-hmm. is what we've been going through. And if it wasn't for that camera, you know, mm-hmm. that camera showed what happens every single day to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, 
you know, we talk about cameras being all over the place now. Mm-hmm. That was very unique. That's right. At that about time. Ni- you know, the early 90s, someone would actually literally have a camcorder. Yeah. They, like that it, didn't happen. Yeah, though, they, it yeah. took some weight. Across they were the not street. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Across the street from where this, exactly across the street from this happened. Mm-hmm. So it was a situation where I had not seen that personally. Sure. Had not heard about it much sure. personally. Sure, sure. Um, and so it was absolutely a wake up call. Mm-hmm. Were you, and, what, were you, you were insert, insert adjective. What was like, what were some of the adjectives at the time? Other than this was a wake up call. I like, this is blank. I, I, I was sad. I was, um, curious hmm. to learn more. Mm-hmm. I was angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I was, you know, I, I just felt shocked. I, I felt like I was I had been clueless. Ah, okay. You know, like okay. like like I, I just I was I I like how did I not know this mm. was happening mm. in my country? Ah, how did I not know mm. that you know, the 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 what they're rapping about and the music is like that's actually you know that this these kinds of things are mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. and and so it was part of a process. It was part of a long journey for me, mm-hmm. but it was definitely it something started I, there. I, 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 like when you think about formative things and yeah. t- things you remember. Yeah. Definitely remember that. Gotcha. That was the genesis mm-hmm. of I, during that time frame. I also, one of the other things I remember from college is mm-hmm. when, uh, Magic Johnson got HIV. Huh? I was were a your... huge, I was a huge Lakers fan growing up. Uh-huh. I, I became a basketball fan because of Magic Johnson. That's right. He had, he, he was, he was one of the prettiest players I, in the I, game. I, I don't think people recognize now they talk about the greatest Jordan, this, you know, LeBron. Magic is up there. You see these lists of the greatest point guards and you know, that happens every generation but magic was just phenomenal yeah that's right and i remember in fact being uh this is this was my my, my senior year in college mm-hmm. and i remember before i was heading off to class the press conference mm-hmm. and i was just crying hmm. i mean it was why were like you crying did you think favorite he... player mm-hmm. and you know things it makes it real sure. right but what, like, were you, what was your understanding of that announcement at that time like, did you think that he was like going to die imminently? Oh, yeah. yeah. And like, you know, like, oh God, or like, what was what were yeah. you thinking? Yeah, I thought he was going to die because the other instances where we heard about it yeah. was always right before someone was on their deathbed. Yeah, that's right. So I remember, like, in the in the eighties, and I didn't. I remember, like, my my aunties, my mom, my aunt, all the yeah yeah the, older women, the, the older women, like, oh, Rock Hudson. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Age, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't know. I knew his name. But I didn't really know who he was. Yeah, he yeah. was some old school actor. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my god, Rock Hudson got AIDS and died. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and I remember that, um, and you know, not being, uh, not being connected with the LGBTQ community, I didn't know sure. people personally. And I, it, it, it was very, it was something that was never really talked about at all in the yeah, Indian community. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, ever, never. Yeah. And so, um, and there's still so much we didn't know then. Yeah. Um, and the still treatments so, weren't what they are now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the media. Yeah. And again, like, you know, Reagan was ignoring it mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, that was the, you know, that was the moment for me, mm. more so than any other up until that point uh-huh. where it hit home, uh, like an idol. Ah. Uh, an idol I grew up with and I knew since I was eight years old. Yeah. Um, is affected by this thing and it's yeah, very and, and, and it's probably going to die. Ah, right? I got you. I got you. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, that, that, I, that definitely mm. is a moment as well. Mm-hmm. I recall very clearly. Did these, did these two instances and probably others, um, did that, that those things swirl together in the bowl of Ash and produced what, like a design, like, like, ah, things are crazy and I want to be a part of making them a little less crazy or what? Like what was, how did, like how did these things come together for you in terms of like 
uh, determining determining part of your like forward trajectory? I I think that it you know from even though from a young age I knew I wanted to do service, I could mm. never define what that meant. Huh. So they all played a role in helping me to define what service meant to me. What did it mean to you at that time? Um, at that time, it just you know at the time it meant more generically I want to help people right uh-huh. and then I think that was my in- initially we think of service well service means helping people yeah yeah so in high school I'm like I want to do service I want to help people mm-hmm. and I think it's, it got more and more narrowly crafted mm-hmm. over the years mm-hmm. and so I think absolutely the Rodney King um, beating an, an incident and then the trial mm-hmm. um, played a big role in terms of okay this is you know that's one element mm-hmm. uh, of society that I'm learning more about. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just what happened with magic. Okay. Um, what was another element? Okay. Well, there's this horrific AIDS crisis mm-hmm. that's happening and mm-hmm. learning more about it and mm-hmm. learn, learning about the communities that were left behind mm-hmm. and that were not responded to, you know, that, again, that's over the years learning more and more about sure, it, but sure. that was the, Genesis of even having interest in learning more about gotcha. it. Gotcha. You know, because it hadn't touched me uh-huh. at that point. I gotcha. Did you now, at this point, are you feeling more secure in communicating your desire to uh, have a professional life of service to your parents at this point? Or are you still kind of like keeping it to yourself because you're figuring it out? Or like, what's that like? They, they still knew I wanted to do something that helped people. Mm-hmm. But... You know, um, I, I I had not really defined it beyond that. At mm-hmm. least, you know, at this point, I'm going to going to UCSB. So at least, like, you know, okay, well, at least he's in college yeah. and he's getting his degree. And sure. what was you your know, degree? At that at that point, I I uh, I did say I expressed my interest going to law school. So uh-huh. At least I knew that there was some plan. I got you. Okay, okay, okay. And what and what were you studying at UCSB? Communication. Oh, okay. I had interest in media, mm-hmm. um, especially mass media mm. and things of that nature. So. Mm. Um, that's why I love going to law school because you can major whenever you want. Oh, right on. So, <laughs> right on. It was cool. Okay. So did you, and so you graduated flying colors or just flying, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh. Yeah. I think my, um, yeah, I, I, I think my friends got, got would get annoyed with me because I would get good, good grades and I really didn't study so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I would always like wait to the end. I would just cram at the end. Yeah, and that's right. And it worked Let's out. go out on Mondays and Tuesdays sure. and just like go to the games and <laughs> sure. So I, even then, it's like I I didn't put a whole lot mm-hmm. into grades, but I just kind of had figured out the system that I, I figured out a system for me that worked yeah, yeah, yeah. to get good grades. I got you. Okay. <laughs> um, so when you graduated, you you all when you graduated UCSB, you already knew you wanted to go to to law school straight away, mm-hmm. or you took some time off to kind of find yourself, figure things out, and then like what was the process? No, I, I I had planned to, I, I, at that point I wanted to go to law school and I gotcha. already planned to go right away. Got you. Okay. Yeah. And so um, where else did you apply? You went to Georgetown, but where else did you apply? So I went to Georgetown. I applied to probably sixteen, seventeen schools. Oh wow, wow, wow! And so at the time, I decided to go to Georgetown. I was basically deciding between. UCLA, NYU, and Georgetown. Why did you pick Georgetown? It's kind of random. Even going to Santa Barbara was random. I, I make very random decisions. Like, oh, you know, it seems like it'd be cool to be in DC. For I, I really, I, <laughs> I don't, I didn't give a whole lot of thought to it, except uh-huh. that I knew they had a lot of clinical programs, huh. as at NYU mm-hmm. and UCLA, mm-hmm. and 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 I was really narrowing down schools mm-hmm. that I knew had really good clinical. Because I, I, I knew that what was drawing me to law school was being in a courtroom and actually getting uh-huh. hands-on experience. Ah. So I wanted to go to a school that had hands-on experience opportunities. Gotcha. And so um, I remember, um, I remember. You know, really thinking hard between NYU 
and Georgetown. Georgetown actually did something where they did receptions around the country. Hmm. So I remember going down to LA and I remember visiting some campuses there. Mm -hmm. So USC and, and UCLA and Loyola. I went with like three or four friends. We visited three or four campuses. And I remember going to this reception mm -hmm. um, for Georgetown for those that had been admitted that hadn't decided yet. Uh, and so I'm like, that was cool they did that. And yeah. so I was like, hey, you know, they show they want you. I mean, it's like, it's like okay, cool. Uh, and you meet you meet a couple of people that might be going there. It's like, sure. okay, you know. Right. Uh, it seems cool. Right. And uh, I had been waitlisted at Columbia. Mm. And if I had gotten accepted, I don't know. Because I, I, I didn't get accepted mm -hmm. there off the waitlist until like a week and a half, two weeks before school started. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I was already planning to go to Georgetown. Ah. So it may have been different. I may have made a different decision uh -huh. then. But, um, but yeah, it was kind of random. And, and I, I knew... Because UCLA was very tempting because uh -huh. it's a good school, but it's also a lot cheaper. Huh. But I, I knew I wanted to settle in California. Uh -huh. So I'm like, let me have an East Coast experience. I see. Now, did the cheaper thing come in? Like, did your parents help with undergrad? Like, were they helping with college or were you on your own for this? Like, Yeah, for so undergrad, going to community college two years, so that was you know, living at home was basically free. Uh -huh. And uh, it was so cheap and I was working too. Uh -huh. Um and UCs were relatively, back then were relatively cheap. Back then they were affordable. They were, yes. uh -huh. yeah. Uh -huh. and, so I, and I was working. Uh, okay. And so I was working so I didn't have to pay for food and all mm -hmm. that stuff. Mm -hmm. And my parents helped me out enough where I left UCs. I didn't have any debt. Okay. But it, well, that right wasn't on. the case for Georgetown. Ah. So I took loans and mm -hmm. had like six digit debt leaving Wait. law school. Ooh. Yeah. Ha. But that, but it was, but I mean, I mean, and you're also, I mean, this is an unfair position we put young people in because yeah. it's like, okay, well I have to get an education and people tell me that, you know, make it, make it count. So here yeah. we go. I mean, so fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I, and I, I was kind of just kind of, you know, as an Aquarius, I was kind of just kind of like wandering. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let me just go. I didn't think about like, you know, like. Sure. But you were, yeah, how you, nobody at that age yeah. really fully like yeah. gets it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, so I'm 21, going to D.C. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, what was the biggest difference for you? What was, what was the biggest, earliest difference for you between living in D.C. and living in California? Well, living in San Jose, Santa Barbara and D.C. were three very different things. Okay, describe them. So Santa Barbara, UCSB was like 90% white. Mm -hmm. So it was very different. Uh -huh. Coming from diverse yeah. South San Jose, very diverse high school. Mm -hmm. And then going there where like, you know, before the orientation is like, let's talk about diversity. And and I'm literally the only like brown person in the room. <laughs> and, and, it was, and the thing about it was like, it was very noticeable. Like I noticed this with a lot of my white friends. They would, they would make it very noticeable that you were not Right, like you, know, you were in. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so I, it was very, like, you know, uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, what was an, give me an, give me an example. Give me a memory of like you being like aware I am the brown guy here. Well, like uh, in addition, like these orientations or in classes where there'd be a question mm -hmm. about race or something mm -hmm. and they'd expect you to be, able, yeah, to be right. the one to answer. All Hi, that. um, Ash, you yeah. have any opinions yeah. on this? Yeah. Like, and, and, and in social settings, sure. you know, like people ask these stupid questions. Yes. Oh, okay. About mm -hmm. being Indian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, or would make a joke yeah, at your yeah. expense because you're Indian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just make it very, or make it very clear that like you you're are not like everybody us. else. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Uh -huh. And so, and then I go to DC, and DC um, is also, DC is very diverse, but DC, the city itself is much more black and white. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have the, the, the levels of diversity mm. that California, certainly that San Jose had. Sure, sure, sure. And so that was different for me. Mm. Um, but when I went to, so when I, when I was in college, most of my friends were white. Mm -hmm. Well, most people there were white. Yeah. Um, and I remember, but I do remember this because I remember the Indian, all the Indian kids, the Indian students would say, oh, look, Ash, he thinks he's white because all his friends are white. He doesn't hang out with the Indian kids. Mm -hmm. And then I went to DC. When I went to law school, most mm -hmm. of my friends were black. Why? And I, the Indian kids would say, 
oh, look at him. He thinks he's black. I'm like, <laughs> I just like, don't want to hang out with y'all. Because yeah, right. you guys, all you guys do is talk about You guys about are studying. annoying. <laughs> like all they, like, yeah, like, you know, again, like this is stereotyping, at least what it was back then. And there weren't a lot of Indian law students back then. Huh. But I remember just like, like, you know, just there was, a, and then this has to do with going back to like the pressure that gets yeah. put on us. Yeah. Like this obsession, like, oh, you know, just studying and you know, what are your grades? Where are you, where are you applying for internships? Yeah. And that just continued through law school. And it's like, I had, I had some good friends who were in India, but no one that I was really hanging out with. Sure. You know? Like, I'm trying and, to kick it with the brothers. <laughs> yeah. And so, so most, and so like most, like when I think about my college life experience, uh, most of my friends I have to this day mm. were my black friends from law school. Huh. And then a couple of my friends from under, like my, my, my roommate, Justin and no, I are okay. still friends. Was that a weird, was that weird for you? So was that a weird mental or social adjustment for you? Like going from Lily white Santa Barbara to like, in DC, at the, I'm from DC. DC at the time was like. Oh, yeah. Different. Yes. Like, was that what was was that? Jarring? It was very. It was definitely chocolate city back then. I mean, it was that's very it's chocolate chip city now, and yeah, yeah. whole other thing. I mean, the nineties in DC, it was yeah. it was off the hook. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, so yeah. No, I mean, I, I just look. I'm, I I was still I was very much of a social butterfly sure. from my Santa Barbara days. So I had made friends. Of, you know, I loved. I loved. I, the the social aspect of law school, I made friends and all that. Mm. The friends I had. Did you really go off and lose your mind in law school? Because DC at the time, you could have lost your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I had, there you go. I had He's fun. scratching his head. I had again. fun in law school. Yeah, I bet and, you and, did. And part of it was that I I I, I kind of just knew I wasn't going to go down the law firm track sure, and all sure, that. Sure. So everybody else had the obsess of being like you know ninety you know ten top ten percent top top yeah. five to get that. I want that interview at that top firm. Right, shoe firm. I'm yeah. like you know so I I I. I I, I was enjoying it, but I was also doing things I really enjoyed, taking hmm. classes I liked. Hmm. I did a clinic where I taught street law. Oh, right. On. And so I loved that. So I taught one year in a magnet school, School Without Walls. Oh, uh, yeah. I have good friends that went to Walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. so that, that was a, a blast. And mm -hmm. then the interesting thing is the next year, the, the clinic the professor called me up about two, three weeks into school, maybe yeah, about around three weeks into school, and said, mm -hmm. Ash, can you come? And teach again this year. We'll pay you because you can't get credit again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll pay you like whatever minimum wage. It will pay you yeah. for the hours you teach. Mm -hmm. And it was Anacostia in High Southeast. School? Yeah. Hiya. So Come two, on, my brie. Okay. So two <laughs> students dropped out because they couldn't handle teaching at Anacostia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, yeah, I'll do it. So I taught at Anacostia the next year. What was that like? Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I loved it. I got to tell you. So so the sets of students were different. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What? I'm from, so I understand what you're saying. Describe for people where Anacostia High School is and the social environment of yeah. that high school so people understand what you're about to say. Go ahead. So when, I, when I'd get on the metro to go to South, it's in Southeast DC. Mm -hmm. uh, and Southeast in is? In the 90s. Is, tell them what, describe Southeast. Southeast, it's the hood. It's, yeah, it's, that's yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's the it was toe. low income neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. When I was going on the subway, when I got off mm -hmm. the subway, pretty much everyone was black, yeah. but me. Yeah. Um, and I would walk to the school and go through the metal detectors. Yep. Usually, half the time weren't working, but you know, the, they had metal detectors there, and they had two or three squad cars and an ambulance outside the yeah. school. Yeah. It's like stationed there every mm -hmm. day. Yeah. Um, and I'd go and teach. Hmm. <laughs> and um, it, it were was, your butt cheeks sweating every single day? You had to go teach there. No, my you, first you day, my, my first day, my first day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, because I had never been in that. I mean, sure, look, sure. It, 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 my first day is like, okay, you know, but once I, once I, st once the, the days and the weeks went on, sure, sure. totally comfortable. Right on. I love my students. Mm -hmm. 
But I do remember the first day I was, I was tested. This guy came right up to me and you could smell the alcohol in his breath. And mm-hmm. The was, student. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. student. And he was not in that class uh-huh. and, and came right up in my face. Mm-hmm. and Tried you. Yeah. But yeah. then the the teacher whose home school or home was the home room that was uh-huh. um, came up and just told him to get out of here. Like, mm. I think he, she knew who he was. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And like some older white woman was like, yeah, get out of here. Knock yeah. it off, you know. Yeah. And so, but... That was my first day. It's so mm. like, okay. You're like, Ooh, This is going to be fun. But, right. but other than that, like it, sure, sure. that was the only, I didn't really have experience like that after that. Okay. And um, it was it was great. And I would tell you, so the, the year before, School Without Walls. Mm-hmm. So these two- Which is a whole different school, like yeah, socially. right across the street from GW, yeah. from George Washington University. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the kids had to apply to get in. Yep. But the but the, the the students were from all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were students that took a bus for like an hour and a half to get there. Yeah. So a, a lot of the students were from the same neighborhoods. Yeah. As Anacostia. Yeah. Or PG County, mm-hmm. you name it, mm-hmm. and they were going through all this effort to go to school without walls. Yep. And they're great students. I mean, they were yeah. super bright. But you can tell yeah. how they got in. Yeah, right? that's right. And um, but they also had really tough. I, I remember, you know, I had a student from school without walls. This is my second year in law school. That uh, and he was a young guy. He was Central American. I I, I'm, I think um, Nicaraguan, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I got a call from him um, at like two in the morning. Mm. Um, and he he worked. Now he was nineteen years old. Uh-huh. He was, it was it was in high school, senior high school. Huh. At nineteen? Because yeah, because he lost a year, but he wanted to get his degree. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So you know he was still allowed to go to the high school. He mm. may have started at eighteen, but. Yeah. Uh, but he would work all night. Mm-hmm. So he would work at a restaurant, Ooh. basically, you know, um, as a busboy. Uh-huh. And he was going home, driving home, mm-hmm. and he had he smelled of alcohol because he was cleaning, you know, the yeah, dishes yeah. and all that. Yeah. Uh, and he got pulled over mm-hmm. and got arrested mm-hmm. for being drunk in public. He's like, "Gosh, I wasn't." You know, he, he called me up. He's like, "I wasn't drunk mm-hmm. at all." Like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there's a bail amount. I don't want to pay it. He could pay. It. He didn't want to. Yeah, yeah. Because his principles, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, "Look, you know, I I can't tell you what to do, mm-hmm. but." I think the longer you're in that environment, only bad things can happen. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I, I would advise you to pay whatever you got to pay and set the, to set the court date yeah. and get out of there yeah. only because, and, and so then he came after that, he came by my house and mm. I just sat, we sat in the car together and talked like four, three, four in the morning. Mm. Just like, you know, those are the kinds of kids Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're talking about mm. I had other kids that one of them, um, I, I, um, I remember his name, Nehemiah. Um, he had a younger brother and he was actually kind of young too. He was only 16. His brother was like probably two, three years younger. Mm. And they saw like four people get shot right in front of him. Yeah. And so his parent, you know, he, uh, he called me up and his mom was on the phone and said, Hey, can they stay with you for the weekend? Mm. Like, cause we, uh, yeah. We just need them away. Yeah. From so we just ate pizza and, and played hot. video games, yeah. played Nintendo all weekend. Yeah. 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 Um, just to get them away from yeah. home. And yeah. so th- that, those are the experiences of the kids going to school without walls, right? Uh-huh, yeah. So it's Which like, is a they, way better... Yeah, so they, yeah. yeah. And, and there were other experiences like that, but, um, you know, and so the next year, go to Anacostia, and they can't get out of that environment even no. during the, even when they're going to school. No. Uh-huh. And but But I tell you, the like there was one student, uh, his name was Mike, who was my best student. Mm-hmm. And and the great thing about the street law program at the end of the year, there's we do a mock trial club, mm. just like I did when I was in high school. Yeah, right on. And I was their coach. Mm-hmm. And he was the best. He was a lawyer during the mock trial. And he's so... And I remember towards the end of the year, the the, the teacher, the homeroom teacher would just sit in the back and like she would do grades and all that, yeah. kind of whatever, uh, during the class. Or she would sometimes not be there. But um, but she said towards the end of the year, it's like, you know, this, Mike's senior year is like, I've had him before. 
I've never heard him speak in class before. Wow. Until this year. Wow. Until your class. Mm. And, 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 you know, it was just great to see them blossom yeah. and, you know, just to give them respect. And I, I don't know. I, I just, I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about myself. I yeah, learned yeah. a lot about the students. Yeah. Um, and I remember the year before at School Without Walls, um, one of my, my students, Kwame, what was uh, I found out again the next year mm-hmm. when I was at um, a, a little clinic fair mm-hmm. where they're trying to get students in. And so I was there with the professor and he's like, yeah, there was even a student last year whose mom called me about a month into the um, school or, or called me at the end of the school year and said about um, two or three, two weeks into school, mm-hmm. his son, her son was going to drop out of school, mm-hmm. but um, she begged him, said, no, just stay for a month. Mm. And she's, he told her that he stayed in school mm-hmm. because of his street law class. Oh, wow. And I asked the professor, I'm like, well, that's amazing. He, and the professor goes, yeah, it was your class. Oh, wow. And so it's like, you don't, you know, teachers in general don't get that feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, lucky yeah. I got it. Yeah. A course. lot of teachers had that impact, but yeah. it was also, it impacted me more. It's like, yeah. hey, you're not always going to know the impact you have on that's people. That's right. That's right. But, um, but it was amazing. Those students were amazing. Even at the, Regardless, school that was at Anacostia, the students were amazing. Mm-hmm. Were they as polished? No. Right. Um, were they, you know, were they, were they as good at their grades and all that? No. Were they as good at speaking? No. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you what, they they were great students. Yeah. And they did great in the mock trial yeah. competition. They, Excellent. You know, I had to get, in fact, even one of my students at school that was the year before, I had to get one of my roommates to loan him a suit. Yeah. They didn't have sure. to pose, right? Sure, sure. And, I, and I loaned a student my one of my suits and um, I only owned one suit. And so I had to... <laughs> you know, um, um, get, get another suit for myself so mm. I can loan my suit mm-hmm. when I was in law school. Mm. And, and, and that was one of my students, um, in, in, in my, at Anacostia, mm-hmm. uh, to wear for the mock Charles competition, but it was amazing. And I, I learned a lot about myself and I, I learned to love, that's when I, my love for teaching, oh. um, sparked then. Raise your hand if you'd like to unearth a picture of Asha's waist-long hair. (laughs) Alrighty, tune in tomorrow where we get into his time as a public defender turned politician taking on the big political beast of healthcare. See you soon.